the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 489. I am your host, Paul Spain, and with me today, we have a new guest, first time on the show, uh, Varun Purushutham. How are you today, Varun? G'day, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. It's uh, awesome to be out and about again with uh, New Zealand now in level two. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's fantastic. Maybe you could fill listeners in, sort of, you know, where do you fit into this sort of big wide world of tech and and business? How would you describe yourself? Well, that's a big question. I'd, I'd probably to myself as a as a student of the tech and the business world, I suppose. Um, so, got a lot of interest, I suppose, in the in the in the business side of things and how technology can. Um, enable betterment of uh, society and business. Um, Having, I suppose, worked for a healthcare company um, and seeing how innovation can contribute to the betterment of, um, I suppose, society and uh, civilization, Uh, I've got got a keen interest on what technology can really do with us in our society today. Fantastic. And... uh the recent COVID nine situation has uh, has brought you back. You were in uh, you were in Berlin earlier on in the year, and you've landed back in New Zealand. So uh, we get the privilege of having you join the show. Yeah, that's right. Um, great to be back home. It's been a whirlwind, I suppose. Um, what three four months now? Yeah. Um, yeah. In a matter of you know a few hours, you're uh, in Berlin, and then back again in New Zealand, back home in New Zealand. So nah, it's good to be back. Yeah. Oh, well, great great to have you here. Thanks. Now, special thanks to our show partners, Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, and Samsung. Now, it's these incredible firms that are making the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, possible through their uh, support of the show. And, of course, uh, really their, their ongoing support of the, uh, you know, the technology sector uh, in New Zealand. So, um, yeah. Awesome to have their support. Now let's jump straight into the topics. Um, first up, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, ransomware, and I know this is something we've we've discussed in the past, uh, but it's it's back on my radar again. I talked about it on um, TV3's AM show this morning, and the reason that I thought we needed to be talking about this again is, I guess there's a few different aspects to it, but what really hit me is just the rapid increase there has been in terms of the average uh, payouts that companies are are having to pay uh, to get what would you say you know released from uh, from a ransomware situation and also the fact that the uh, the impact of ransomware has changed uh, particularly in recent months, and you know, I was just uh, just reading about a, a company that handles outsourcing. They're called Execu Farm. They handle outsourcing in the pharmaceutical sector, and they admitted in the US uh, just uh, just in the last couple of weeks or so that they were hit with a ransomware attack. Looks like they didn't pay the ransom, and their data ended up. All over the the web, all over the dark web, actually, and you know, emails, drivers' license numbers, credit card details. You wonder why they have credit card details sort of you know floating around there, uh, their network, but all all manner of uh, information that basically has been has been um, exposed on online. Uh, so yeah, there's that extra aspect now that we're having to uh, deal with as as far as ransomware, and then yeah, this massive increase in terms of what businesses are paying out. When I first started talking about this stuff, um, yeah, probably uh, around sort of seven eight years or so ago, if you got hit with some sort of ransomware attack, it was usually just you know an individual PC and yeah, it would encrypt your local data, and it was maybe a few hundred dollars if you got, you know, you got hit to get out of it. Now, what we're hearing is that the uh, average payment made to get uh, get out or to to the ransomers in New Zealand dollar terms equates to just a little bit north of one hundred eighty thousand New Zealand dollars. So. Not necessarily, 
well, I think in most cases it's it's a big deal, as we saw with Toll Holdings, uh, New Zealand and Australia, when they got hit, you know, twice in the last uh, last few months and really impacted their their business. But from a financial perspective, a business like that could afford 180k. But of course, that's the average amount. So who knows, you know, what they would they would have necessarily been asked to pay. Uh, the other factor I've I've seen in uh, some of the materials that I've been um, looking at on this is that the amount of time it takes a business to recover is also increasing. So the average now over uh, two weeks. So over two weeks to recover, most businesses, especially with the COVID-19 situation, can't afford to be down for two weeks. Then maybe 180K or so to pay to get out of it. And if you don't quite get all of those things right, then maybe you're also dealing with having uh, data sloshing around on online um interesting is what do you think has caused the surge in um these attacks in, in recent times you reckon paul and the other question i suppose i have is uh, are these specific industries that these ransomware companies are targeting I am hearing that there is more of the sort of targeted attacks so mm. You know, we, we saw in the US where multiple councils, we'd call them in, in New Zealand, were, were hit basically. That's, that's, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Sorry, nobody heard my um, my mistakes before we started recording, fortunately. <laughs> anyway, I'm struggling to pronounce words today. Look, so, the, yeah, there have been those more targeted attacks. We've mm. heard of attacks through some big managed service providers as well. Mm. The thing that every organisation needs to do is to be making sure that they're covering as many bases as they can from a cyber security perspective. So one of those, and I think the reason that we've seen some of those managed service providers get hit is often a lack of multi-factor authentication being in place. Mm. And so you know, we're seeing it as much more normal now for varying platforms just to insist on multi-factor um, authentication, so that mm. those sort of incidents uh, don't don't occur, and that you know, dramatically minimises the chance. But there are numerous aspects that businesses and well, any organisation you know, needs to consider to stay secure. Uh, look, I mean, it's a money-making business. These mm. uh, basically these are these are software firms who uh, you know write the software, and then. You know, that ends up getting into the hands of a, of a bunch of people who act as their agents, basically, to see if they can get the software in place gotcha. onto, uh, onto business networks. And, we, and where they do, it can have a pretty significant impact. And I think we'll, we'll continue to sort of see this you know, growing impact in terms of what it might do. Hmm. And, yeah, we, I mean, we see all sorts of industries being, being hit. And some of those that the impact could be, you know, bigger than others. You know, if it, if it hits a, a power company, mm. you know, generating power, mm. and, and power plants get shut down. You know, th- those sorts of things, obviously, you know, big concern. Mm. Usually, in those cases, they, you know, they work very, very hard to secure their networks and sort of, you know, air gap separate their their most critical systems from the internet. Mm. But they don't always quite get it right or you know some, something goes wrong and uh, these these things can uh, uh, can be impacted not a good uh, position but yeah looking at the the numbers even just since the beginning of uh, 2019 to now it's something like a thousand percent increase in what the average is that's, that's paid out for a ransomware attack which I think probably uh, indicates two things one is that there is more of a focus probably on larger firms that have the means to pay out more money. So if you're going to make an effort to try and get into a firm, go into a larger one. Whereas you know, traditionally these things were almost random where you know, you've got phishing emails or you've got attacks on RDP, remote desktop protocol, these sorts of things that are just very, very much automated. 
maybe now there's more of an effort to specifically target those of means or at least research going into those who have been infected as to whether they can afford to pay a higher ransom than others. One of those two things must have been the case, I'm sure, with the US municipalities who made large ransom payments in 2019. For instance, the ransom figure I recall for Riviera Beach in Florida, which is an area that covers only 35,000 or so residents, uh, was close to US $600,000 for their ransom payment. Um, I I think it's also interesting with the increase in remote working conditions and people sort of, you know, working out of their homes um, and the threat that I suppose this sort of stuff poses. It will be interesting to see the the direction that companies would take to, you'd imagine there'd be a lot more security that would be put in place, but, you know, how vulnerable are people that are working out of home to these sort of things? Is a genuine concern, particularly for those who have not been well prepared, and mm. so they haven't necessarily had the systems in place. So, if, you know, look at my own team. We were all operating off you know, company-owned laptops with you know, working working with secure connections to the cloud, and could be pretty relaxed about uh, going, you know, to work from home, mm. but. Yeah, you know, a month earlier we we weren't. So in those last few weeks, we had one member of the team who wasn't on a laptop, and so they were you know they were put onto a laptop. Mm. I guess you you know you could have a scenario where people take a you know if you have enough time, then people could have taken yeah you, know, you could you could take a PC home if you're going to go and work from home for a month. Mm. And certainly that was that was one of the discussions I know uh, that went on with some clients who maybe didn't didn't have widespread uh, laptop use guess a a range of challenges and uh, some organisations went and maybe deployed old computers that had actually been you know they'd been replaced and then they deployed those to users that were on desktops Mm, mm. and put those out out into the workforce to, to, to fill that gap so that they weren't having to try and support people logging in from their own computers that maybe yeah. were malware ridden and you know what whatever other issues that are yeah. that a home device that's been sitting around too long running an old operating system not well patched loose on password policy <laughs> etc let's move on we've got a few other interesting topics I wanted to talk about James Dyson and the Dyson electric vehicle an artificial smart window coming out of uh, Samsung C labs burning of cell towers a Gartner prediction of half a trillion dollars uh, less maybe being uh, spent in IT than previously uh, anticipated which is a pretty big figure and then a few stories a bit uh, closer to home so yeah looking at that Samsung scenario so their C lab which is their in-house creative incubator. They've recently been talking about some of these company-backed startups, and one of the ones that's, that Samsung has been uh, has been backing is this concept of an artificial window that you know really aims to sort of mimic the appearance and benefits of of natural light, but through a you know, I guess it's a very flat light source, so you could uh, position it. In a in a way to emulate a window, hmm. what do you think about this uh, approach? I mean, we 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 keep seeing uh, new technology as it as it comes to displays, as it comes to you know lighting. I guess has moved a little bit a hmm. little bit slower, uh, but this uses uh, a sort of flat panel light source, doesn't it? Hmm. It does. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you're obviously seeing a lot of increase in smart devices as well everything is sort of connected to your home with a central sort of connection system um and with the you know with the cloud computing and the sort of internet connection services that we have now you are going to keep seeing that to increase um i think this one in particular is quite interesting for me just in terms of the applications that could have um from the agricultural perspective as well you see a lot of um i suppose companies that are starting to develop um what are, what are those things called when you uh develop the whole farm inside oh there's a name for it it's uh yeah it'll 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 come to us yeah um, yep yeah. 
People in New Zealand, people use the, uh, that technology for for growing illicit illicit <laughs> uh, uh, substances. Shall we? Shall yeah. we say? Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that, I think there is that massive application for it from that perspective. Um, th- there was also talk of uh, this being a potential. Um, application for people that don't get enough sun um, and as a way to sort of synthesize vitamin D um, for for health reasons so that that's that that's a huge application I think yeah I mean anything that opens up health opportunities is mm. uh, something that's going to be of some interest I would imagine. I think hydroponics was that the hydroponics? That's for? that's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. There's this um, there's this massive company. Well, it's a startup, I suppose, but they've sort of grown up to grown into a pretty big company in in Berlin called Infarm that are that are sort of uh, pioneering the hydroponics system, um, and that's where I see you know this uh, smart window, if we can call it that. Um, you know, that's the sort of direction I see this going. Um, and, and I think that it makes a lot of sense with urbanization of our cities. You know, you're running out of uh, farm space or more that people are starting to move away from rural areas into, into urban cities. And, you know, you need someone to serve your farms and uh, build your uh, infrastructure for food and uh, what we eat. So, yeah, th- th- there's, a, there's a lot of... Um, I suppose focus and uh, intent in moving in that direction, uh, especially in Europe and some of um, the Asian countries. Mm, mm. When I read it, it reminded me I stayed in uh, Singapore uh, late last late last year in a hotel room that was in the lower mm. level of the building. In fact, I stayed in one uh, similar one in. Taiwan as well, and so you're basically at this level. You yeah. you don't have any windows, which yep. is really really great. Sometimes when you've been travelling, yep. to have a completely you know, pitch black room. Yep. But then there's a flip side to so you actually need to wake up at a you know and, and get mm. into sometimes a new time zone. Yeah, and so I can actually imagine in those sort of scenarios, it. Yeah, it working quite nicely if you've got it all you know, uh, timed and controlled to sort of slowly wake you up and you've got the sort of movement of a virtual kind of sun as some of the, the, the video uh, from C-Labs suggested that uh, that you, know, you you get this aspect of the, the sun rising and the, the angle of the light uh, mm. changing. I'm not sure whether that's actually entirely realistic or not. Mm. Uh, but look, very, uh, very interesting, and uh, you know, roll on with the new technology. Of course, uh, we, we've had access to a lot of smart lighting and so on here in, in New Zealand for some time, but the idea of a, you know, of a, of a, a flat panel yeah. Uh, lighting that that is that is flexible generates the, the you, you vitamin know, D is um, you know, of you, of some merit. I imagine. I think so. I, I, the other application that I can think of is um, especially in uh, New Zealand during winters, or let's take the UK or even Berlin for that matter. It gets quite grey sometimes, and you know it's you true. miss the sun. So yeah, um, and there's you know heaps of scientific evidence sort of connecting weather to your emotional status or your mental uh, status. So. You know, I could see that um, that taken off as well if they can yep. have it have it tapped back to your uh, wearable and your devices that are tracking <laughs> your mental health state. And when you need a little bit of a, a it. lift, it sort of starts brightening up and and making it feel like it's a really sunny day outside. Yeah, and then you run outside and it's not quite so nice. But yeah, <laughs> now onto uh, Dyson, their electric vehicle project. I remember hearing it announced that they were putting something like three point two billion pounds into developing their electric vehicle well they they pulled the plug on that of course a, f- a few months ago which i was f- i was quite disappointed at actually because i've been interacting with dyson over the over the last couple of years and just have been had this growing fascination with them as a business because they basically i guess reinventing and and disrupting you know products that maybe haven't had much change. You know for a while, they, you know their vacuum cleaners have have done uh, very very well. They have have kind of got this you know Apple type position within the different markets that they've entered, where they are able to sell their products at at quite a premium. But 
yeah, it's been more than just sort of a, a, a very minor change in terms of the the products that they brought to market. You know, I think of the the hand dryers that they have that you, you know you'll come across in you know airports and sort of you know public you know public locations. I uh, think you know their, their fans, their um, vacuum cleaners, and you know they they send me some of this gear to uh, to review, and I've I've been trying out actually recently their latest V11. Oh, I forget its exact name, but it, it's a sort of a bigger version of their um, handheld uh, vacuum cleaner, which you know they've actually stopped development of the, all their older models and going you know purely electric. So they've got this you know huge focus on products that that move air. And then a you know a really big focus on on things being electric and mm. and and more and more uh, battery powered, so yeah it's, it seemed like a really interesting sort of you know synergy drawing from their existing, but mm. also hold on we've got a you know a company that that makes uh, you know fans and fan heaters and hair dryers and so on um, suddenly you know getting into cars, and you think well you know based on the sort of disruption they cause what are they really going to going to achieve and so yeah I was I was really fascinated by it and and hoping I'd be able to get a chance to you know maybe at some stage go up uh, to uh, to their manufacturing which I think was going to be maybe Singapore or Malaysia mm. and uh, and just you know have a look at what was going on but needless to say they pulled the plug a few months ago but uh, fascinated to hear that uh, James Dyson uh, said he he put in uh, 500 million uh, of of his own uh, own funds into that uh, into that project, hmm. I think now he's topped the the rich list and and that was five hundred million pounds. So I guess it's about a Jeez. about a billion, uh, you know, New, New Zealand or in in, in that direction. Uh, so, yes, very very interesting. And um, so there's yeah, there's a bit of information that's come online. Uh, a story published by Sunday Times Driving, and that they've got a, a Twitter post. That uh, that went out with uh, Sir James Dyson in front of this electric vehicle, which looked looked like a a very nice looking uh, SUV. Its claim to fame was that it was going to do around uh, or actually in excess of a thousand uh, kilometres on a on wow. a single charge, which. Wow. Is that that's something I think impressive on on all all counts today, but on the flip side, it was going to be at the very top end of the pricing. So, you know, they would have been competing basically with Porsche and with Tesla, yeah, as that's a vacuum a player, cleaner though. and the other things that they do brand, which yep. which certainly is a is very much a premium brand, but. Whether people would be willing to pay those sort of prices, <laughs> and because it would be their only electric vehicle, they wouldn't be able to subsidise it, you know, off other, you know, other vehicles, and you know, that's that's a, a much smaller segment of the market that I imagine they've done the numbers and just decided that would that would be too too you know too much of a gamble in terms of whether they would actually ever get their money back. Hmm. Yeah, I find I find the story to be quite interesting. Like it makes sense. Like you said, there there is that logical synergy, you know, in terms of the technology capabilities that they've got as a as a leading electric uh, man, electric appliance manufacturer, you know, in the, in the moving airspace. So that move makes logical sense. But also, the automotive industry is massive with so many players. But also, there's, you know, there's multiple complexities to that business model itself. So, I was quite curious as to why they would want to do that as a lone ranger, as opposed to partnering up with, uh, with I don't know, with another player that's already in that market. Yeah, well, I think I mean some of that probably just comes down to the way that James Dyson has chosen to do business mm. which which is quite you know quite fascinating in the early days uh, I think it was a somebody that had employed him previously and he had been involved in you know some quite inter- some interesting projects on uh, where if I remember correctly he um, he developed it was like a tugboat or something that he huh. uh, that he designed early on in his career and uh, the chap that had employed him to do that, and it, you know, again, a little while since I've researched this, but I think he was one of the early backers, or the main, or only early backer, maybe of uh, of Dyson. And 
he was able to you know buy that individual out. So basically, mm. he owned he had sort of really that that full control of the business. Now, along the way, sure, there may have been some other you know, funding channels and so on, but I can I can imagine there's that thing about completely controlling your own destiny and not yeah. having other parties involved. And I think that, that part of what Dyson have done with selling these premium end-of-the-market type products has given them that freedom. And I remember yeah, hearing an interview with um, Sir James Dyson uh, you know, around uh, his, his approach. And one of his earlier uh, products, he came up with a, uh, a wheelbarrow uh, mm. where the wheel wasn't a traditional wheel. It was a ball. Okay. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it yeah, apparently worked a lot better. But, it, but the price that he sold it at wasn't enough then to go on and fund the next projects. Yeah. And off the back of that, I think where he realised he yeah. he actually you know he needed not just to make a very sm- you know very slim margin on these inventions you know there needed to be a good a good margin so that he could you know, keep innovating, improving the products, and so he can invest into the into the next ones. And that seems to be where they've landed uh, landed as a business. But if you look at this, uh, the 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 story said that. They worked out that um, just to break even, they would have needed to sell their electric vehicle at £150,000, which is is heading towards 300000 New Zealand dollars, right? Uh, So if that's the break-even point, and then you put on there a, a healthy, you know, level of, of profit... Mm. Mm. I mean, you're not going to sell too many of those. No, no. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's my thinking on it anyway. Well, and the timing of uh, you know of launching an electric vehicle, it's it's not like it's a new concept anymore. You know, it's 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 been around. There are some pioneers that have set the path already, um, set it on fire almost. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm. I'm I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it was naive or if it was just brave. It's it's an interesting move. Yeah. Well, I think. Look, f- fascinating that they're able to come up with a vehicle that you know base, basically would deliver twice the range. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of of a say equivalent mm. Tesla, and the Teslas tend to sit at the at the top end of the market in terms of range in most cases anyway. Mm. So to do that. Unless, unless there was double the batteries in there, which, which from from what I've read about it suggests that's certainly not the case. That they've done some, that you know they did some innovative things around their battery design, and maybe they will license or or sell some of that technology. Although mm, it, it, mm. it maybe isn't so much in their DNA as a business to to, to operate like that. And apparently they did look to actually sell this this on to somebody else. Oh, did they? But, uh, I did hear that some months ago when they announced they were they were shutting it down. Okay. That they, they had looked and they hadn't uh, they hadn't come up with anything at that at that point in time. So yeah. yeah, they basically burnt a whole lot of money around a billion New Zealand dollars. Now talking of burning things, that takes us across <laughs> to um cell towers and what on earth are we going to do about the 5G haters uh, burning down our cell towers in New Zealand? Apparently, uh, as of uh, the, la- the in, in the last couple of days, I think it's reached 17 scenarios of vandalism of um, cell towers and transmitters in New Zealand. That's that's nuts. That's crazy. And it, I mean, there's just there is there is zero science to back up you know, any of this the the madness that we're hearing about you know coronavirus and five G links and hmm. corona uh, well just you know five G in 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 general being something that people should be scared about and of course uh, in, mo- in most cases we're also uh, well from the, the things I've seen so far we're seeing people. Destroy towers that aren't even necessarily five G towers in the first place. They're just you yeah. know they're just going a little bit nuts, and it seems like well what what's the answer to this? Well, to protect these things, what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to put more surveillance systems in to look out for people coming to hmm. attack these things. Yeah, so it actually is going to make it's going to make it worse for everyone. And of course, if your local cell tower gets gets uh, destroyed. 
and you need to make an emergency call or yeah use the internet in, in some way um, you know through through a wireless uh, or you know cellular connected system then your stuff so th- there's a real negative impact of this and I imagine in some of these cases where there's a lot of you know, gear uh, attached this is going to be really expensive to fix and eventually basically just gets passed on to the customer yeah yeah I, I'm I'm intrigued as to where that uh, conspiracy theory is uh, stemming from. Is it is it political? Is it? Um, I, I'm 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 genuinely lost about this because I wouldn't have imagined New Zealand to have been a country that um, takes such a stance or you know, uh, yeah, such a strong sentiment towards such a conspiracy theory. I suppose, but I wonder what stemming uh, what where it stems from. Well, I think sometimes people just are naive, and they, you know, they 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 don't know how to join up all the dots and do their mm. own research. They see some content that's been put online, often passed through sort of, you know, back channels of you know, messenger and and different things. So they're not there. And I've seen that I've you know, I've been past some of this stuff over the over the past couple of months, and yeah, you know, people are sending me these screenshotted things, and it's. Yeah, they're not linking back to credible sources, but somebody yeah. that doesn't understand how you how you should do research and, and verify information, you know, looks at one of these things and uh, yeah, they they look quite compelling. And then yeah, there's videos going online yeah. as as well, and and some of those are you know making quite outrageous claims. And of course, there's always an element of truth that you know with within them, right? So you add in some bits and pieces that people, are, oh yeah, that's true. Actually, we have had some coronavirus, you know, in New Zealand at that time. So oh yeah, and oh yeah, five G has been just 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 launched recently, and people join up things that. You know, shouldn't be shouldn't be joined up along with some some outrageous claims, and and then you attach the doctor and a this and that to um, you know to the name of the person, or you know a few other bits and pieces, and 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 suddenly it it, it starts adding up for uh, for those who are you know, unwilling to uh, get you know look into it more deeply, or whose other sources. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we have similar sort of conspiracy type sources, right? And uh, it doesn't doesn't really help. No, not yeah. at all. All right, uh, now an interesting article appeared in the Register, and I don't read the the Register um, maybe as 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 often as I should because. They always have uh, great headlines, and and they they of, often have just a bit of a different uh, a different take on the world. But they pulled pulled out uh, an announcement or a report from Gartner, where Gartner basically was saying that the um, economic impact of COVID nineteen is basically. Uh, Going to take off about 500 billion US dollars off IT spending forecasts for 2020. So, I guess in New Zealand dollar terms, over over a trillion dollars worth of worth of uh, spend. Now, that's that, quite a contrast to what what you'd expect, though, wouldn't it? Well, this yeah, this is the thing that I wanted to I wanted to hear your your thoughts on um, because we've heard, you know, the the likes of um, Microsoft uh, CEO Sachin Adela, um, IBM's um, uh, chair Ginny uh, Romati, and and others basically saying, hey, you know, now this crisis is a time for digital transformation. And you know, look, I you know, I've been d- d- discussing similar things and saying, well, you know, now's now's the opportunity to uh, to you know to do the things that that ensure your business is sound going forward, and uh, technology should be a key part of making that happen. Yet we're hearing that that actually lots lots of companies are. Um, be reducing their spend, and look, I'm hearing that in you know in New Zealand, whether it's you know cutting back on uh, IT and 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 technology related uh, contract roles, or you know it's just looking for places to cut funds. And and look, some of that is natural. If if a business has got 
whatever those numbers are of their income that's disappeared, you can't keep spending on all the same things that you've spent on before. But then on the flip side, look, you know, technology, you know, you get massive leverage out of technology and a lot of technology investments are, you know, they're very strategic. They play out very well in the in the long term. And that's certainly, the, the you know, the moves that we've been making in, um, you know, the businesses I'm involved in, we are, we've been really looking for how, how can we you know, lay some foundations te- technologically uh, that, will, that will serve us um, well into the, into the future. Hmm. But it's, I guess it's a, it's a complex matter. And, yeah, the realities are when you have a lot of business that drops away, um, you, you may end up um, you know, cutting back on the very things that you need to actually be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have two thoughts on it. I think my first one is whether, and you sort of touched on this earlier, I, I wonder if it's just the effect of general budget cuts overall um, across the business and, you know, you'd expect that to uh, happen to technology as well. So if a business, you know, was spending $1 billion overall in their budget and they've cut it down to 750 you don't expect the technology number to ran, you know, randomly go up. You'd obviously see that tracking down as well. So I'm not sure if that's one of the causes. Um, and the other one is probably um, just that businesses are probably, you know, uh, their working capitals are under stress and they're, they're trying course. to, they're just trying to do the necessary operational um, IT or uh, technology services that the company provides they just want to keep that up and running and not really looking at investing into technology R&D I suppose or increasing their technology capabilities well uh, look I guess we've seen situations where things have turned around and happened very quickly in terms of tech investments mm. but for some of those those bigger uh, projects bigger transformations how long does it take to put that business case together? That's that's you know, probably part of the challenge, right? So, if you if you can tell the business that invest more in technology, and over here we've you know we've got the numbers that shows you for you know e- every extra you know whatever scale it's on, depending on the size of the business, mm. you know thousand dollars, billion dollars, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but well, let, let's pick a million. So for every million dollars you you know you put into technology this year, next year you're going to see a you know a, a two million dollar increase in profit. Then if if a business can finance that, then they you know they'd probably be. Um, be making that move pretty quickly mm. but can you put those sort of cases together and are they as simple and cut and dried as that when we're, when we're in a market where nobody actually really knows exactly how bad things are going to get what the economy is going to look like in 6, 12, you know, 24 months mm. so it's, mm. a, it's, it's not quite as easy as we would like it to be is it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that straightforward I, I also think there's a... Um a cultural or a value aspect to this um, overall as well. It, it all depends on the push or the um, rather the the leverage that a CTO or a, um, a technology leader would have in a business. Um, you know, w- with uh, most businesses's belts being tightened, you'd you'd want your technology leads to step up and ask for that money and make that business case for extra. Um, investment into technology, but again, if if the overall culture and value um, of a business, you know, at a microcosm, wasn't focused on technology and don't see technology as the savior for the future, yeah, you know, you don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Um, yeah, and it and it will vary, I'm sure, quite uh, quite widely from from business to business. Yeah, now. Something that caught my attention. This was on uh, on link- LinkedIn, and I will share this on our new NZ Tech Podcast uh, page on LinkedIn. Now, I have to um, eat some humble pie and admit that I'm not quite as smart at social media as I th- as I thought I was. Um, and thank you. There's about a hundred of you that have followed our uh, LinkedIn. Uh, 
page or yeah, presence for the New Zealand Tech NZ Tech podcast uh, before I realised that I'd set it up incorrectly. So that's what happens when uh, sometimes we uh, we jump in, and I got it I got it slightly wrong in terms of what I was looking for. Um, so if you are following us on LinkedIn, um, the original one I think has has been slightly renamed to NZ Tech Podcast something um, and yeah very hard to actually get these things merged so there is there is a new NZ Tech podcast to uh, to follow uh, on LinkedIn so I will share this one uh, but the the story was from uh, somebody I connected with recently uh, Greg Ward and he shared how um, his iPhone 8 which has a level of you know the iPhone 8 was I think the, the first of the uh, phones from uh, Apple to start having a, a level of water resistance, uh, well, he lost his one. Uh, was n- near new, uh, within meters of the waves at Carry uh, Carry Beach outside of uh, Auckland, and that was what 14, uh, 14 months or, or so ago. Uh, well, it it actually turned up fourteen months later. A couple were out walking on the sand. They spotted spotted the phone lying in shallow water. Uh, they plugged it in and connected it. It came up with his details, and yeah, four hundred and twenty days uh, later, his uh, iPhone was returned to him and in working order. That's pr- that's pretty cool. That's pretty epic, eh? That that's the kind like, of story that um, Apple wants to hear. <laughs> At this time, I suppose. I mean, great, great, great publicity, and oh, yeah, really, really, really impressive for a phone to be able to yeah handle that. Now, I don't know what you know exactly what state it's in, but um, the picture he shared of his uh, iPhone eight with the snorkel, just yeah, brilliant. Seeing it all you know fired up and and the fact working. That you can so. switch it back on after fourteen months and see your. You know your name pop up in a in an iPhone. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, very 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 cool. So, uh, and and look, you know, whether whether you would have got the same out of another phone. I, I mean, I guess who knows? But uh, Apple certainly win on this one with the on the public publicity front. I think I I didn't put it online that long ago, and um, yeah, lots lots of people have have had a, had a liked it or, or uh, a few comments and, and and so on on that one. So yeah, def, definitely of interest. Look, I've been a big fan of the idea of of having a, a water waterproof or water resistant phone um, since the, the very first one came out from uh, from Sony. Well, would have quite a few years ago now, maybe you know seven seven years or so, and uh, yeah, Samsung of course really really got into uh, into that off off their phones, uh, and and the wireless charging. Those probably two two of the innovations I've you know really appreciated on phones in recent years, and yeah, of course Apple eventually um, you know they followed on 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 both of those uh, accounts, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this I mean this was obviously just in the nick of time if it was uh, a previous phone. Uh, very unlikely to have uh, who, to have done so well uh, if it was a previous Apple phone anyway, uh, but yeah, it turned out as a rather, rather nice uh, nice tale. Yeah. Um, now I guess well, I mean that stage you've uh, well and truly replaced your uh, your phone though. Oh, now I wanted to talk um, just just briefly about uh, push pay because. We've talked uh, on the New Zealand Business Podcast. Uh, you know, talked to their uh, their founder. I think is is, is possibly the um, chairman now, Murray uh, Murray Holdaway, uh, and heard their story. An amazing story of a you know of a, um, uh, um, sorry, I'm getting mixed up between brands here. There's PushPay, and we were we were also talking about uh, what was the other startup we were talking about before the show. 860, 8360, was it? Uh, and Vista. One, uh, Vista. Sorry. Um, Murray Holloway is from Vista. We're talking <laughs> about push pay. Paul, back on track. Um, apologies. Talking about um, push pay. And Chris Heslip was on the New Zealand Business Podcast. <laughs> we heard his story. Uh, now, their their platform is used to, uh, I guess, collect you know 
donations and and money from uh, American, um, predominantly American sort of churchgoers and 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 the varying houses of of, of worship. Um, you know, I, I I imagine across sort of you know m- multiple um, faiths, but. Their their business, you know, their their stock price had sort of moved around a little bit, you know, two three uh, New Zealand dollars in in uh, in recent times. But they've just um, COVID nineteen has has led to a, just a massive uh, surge for them, and uh, you know their their revenue seems to keep uh, keep growing, and uh, yeah, their their share price is uh, is doing. Doing very well, shall shall we say? Um, and yeah, it just seems to uh, push pay their um, their shares just keep well pushing pushing up, <laughs> pushing up in the right the right direction for uh, for investors. And I mean, what a what a great uh, you know Kiwi success story. So yeah, yeah look today uh, seven seven dollars twenty. So even in the past. A uh, couple couple of weeks, they've gone up from yeah you know, the uh, five five you know, around five dollars. Uh, another another uh, you know nearly forty percent, which yeah. is is amazing. So, I mean, I don't know how much how much further uh, how much further that they they go from here. I'm always you know very curious watching uh, watching different startups. But yeah, down on on seventeenth of March, they were two dollars fifty six. Now they're at uh, they're they're at seven dollars uh, twenty, and I mean they had been they had been rising, um, you know, since since late late last year. But uh, yeah, a, a great story, and uh, now they're um, they're they're close to hitting a market cap of uh, two billion wow. New, New Zealand dollars. So right. um, yeah, and I guess just another story that goes to show what COVID 19s um, sort of paved the way for, you know. Um, a lot of these tech businesses are starting to see um, uptake of their products a bit more. Certain things that didn't seem as obvious to people before or prior to COVID-19 uh, is going to become our new normal. So, you know, there's a, there's a fantastic story to see that um, a, a new way um, that can be paved through technology. Oh yeah, certainly. And 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 look, the old you know thing of sort of rattling a bucket of of change yeah. to, to try and get donations. I mean, who who carries coins these days anyway? <laughs> you know, let, let alone uh, you know paper money. And and I know, of course, people still do to a to a to a degree. But uh, yeah, more more of this move into digital platforms seems to make sense and look you know great seeing a, a kiwi company really dominating in the in the US and uh, and and doing very well um so yeah for those who haven't haven't caught the push pay story i am told it is one of if not the best uh story uh, from the new zealand business podcast so if you haven't heard that it is an incredible uh tech startup uh story and absolutely well worth uh, listening to. Um, now we have been working behind the scenes on a separate sort of channel uh, of uh, you know, b- a bit more content down the uh, the tech startup uh, and and startup track. Uh, we'll fill you in on that in the not uh, not too distant future. Uh, but yeah, that that push pay story is uh, is certainly well well worth uh, well worth listening to. Um, as as is hearing about about zero and 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 some of our other, um, you know, New Zealand um, tech and and business success stories. Uh, now, oh, lastly, we did want to have a quick chat about um, Eight Three Sixty. Now, uh, Varun, this is a, a company uh, one of your friends is involved in. I, I believe you 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 got the you got the inside word on it. I mean, they've been around and had a bit of media coverage over the last year, but uh, they hadn't been particularly on on my radar. But it, it looks like they're doing uh, they're doing something you know pretty cool for those who are into uh, virtual reality. This this adds another uh, dimension to your your typical sort of VR scenario. Walk us through it. Yeah. Um, no, super interesting. So Terry Miller, um, the co-founder of 8360, um, was someone that, I, um, that I'm that i mates with. And 
he was working on this and chipping away. You know, it's a classical sort of a startup story in its in its early days. He was working out of his garage um, and developing this massive dome. Um, and he was talking to us about um, an immersive experience that you could get out of it. Um, and now, when you when you open up their website, you see Nova, their newest product. Um, so it is it is a massive dome, and what it aims to do is provide you an immersive virtual reality experience where. Uh, you know, a, a, as you've got your virtual reality glasses, and your let's say you're 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 flying a fighter fighter jet, um, you, your dome essentially moves with you, and it gives you that immersive experience. So, they're they're still it's still early days for them, but I think what they're doing is pretty um, pretty cutting edge. Yeah, you know, it looked re- I mean looked really cool. I guess like like um, yeah, being basically inside a big. A big ball and it sort of you know spins around spins in any, around, any, yeah. any direction that you want to. And That's it. Yep. Yeah, if you're in a if you're in a rocket and you're facing up, then it's it's up and you know whatever direction it just sort of spins spins around. I guess with some things would be more realistic than others. I don't know yeah. how you how you sort of fake some uh, g forces, but uh, <laughs> you know yeah certainly yeah yeah there there would be a whole bunch of things that would work really well on and would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, immediate sort of applications that spring to mind would be Formula One racing or any car racing for that matter. Um, the other one would be defence defense space where you, you want to train your pilots um, in an inexpensive way, you know, put them in a, in a real-life situation without um, getting them into a plane, I suppose. Without without killing them and, and killing yeah. a billion dollars worth of uh, hardware at the same time if it all goes pear-shaped. That's it. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting one, and uh, I, you know I think uh, eight three sixty will will be, you know, in there, uh, you know, um, amongst uh, a few more that we'll be looking to uh, looking to chat to uh, over the months of months ahead and hear a little bit more about mm. their journey and uh, and what what they're up to. But yep. it's, it's look, I think it's great to see. New Zealand uh, startups who are really, you know, innovating from a, a technology perspective and, a, and a doing fresh new things. I hope that we don't see uh, too many of them sort of, you know, unnecessarily falling by the wayside during um, yeah. you know, this this period where funds can be a bit harder to uh, to to get your your hands on. Um, but there will be some inevitable sort of realities. Some of the ones that will that will maybe. Uh, fall down and maybe ones that weren't you know maybe weren't going to survive in the long run but I'm sure there'll be there'll be some you know some some tales that aren't you know aren't quite what we'd like to hear on on uh, you know startups that maybe had had a good future but yeah. just have, have struggled with the funds so uh, yeah look all the best to, to those that are involved in uh, in, in tech startups uh, locally and definitely you know get in touch if you've got some uh, stories to, to share would be uh, you know be very interested in, in hearing from you um, feel feel free to uh, uh, you know drop a message through to us uh, you can send a message to team at gorilla voice dot com uh, and uh, and we'll pick it up and and go from there and see if we can uh, we can fit that in to a podcast all right well I think that's us for uh, for this show uh, thank you Varun it's been uh, it's been fantastic to uh, hang out and to podcast together yeah likewise Paul thanks for having me thank you and uh, thank you to our awesome listeners we wouldn't be having much of a show if nobody was was listening in so thank you for that and look just a reminder we, we weren't able to do a video live stream uh, this week but we have been doing quite a lot of them if YouTube is your your place to watch video subscribe to a channel there uh, we're also on Facebook and on Twitter so we're tending to be putting out video across those channels and we're getting it together on uh, on LinkedIn with uh, content so you know please uh, track us down on LinkedIn NZ Tech Podcast uh, there and of course the the more people that we've got following um, the more it makes sense for us to be sort of sharing uh, tidbits of information and um things during the week in between uh, in between shows as, as we come across them so that's us thank you everybody and of course a big thank you again to our incredible partners Sumo Logic and uh, and Vodafone also Spark Vocus HP and Samsung legendary all right thanks folks catch you next week the New Zealand Tech Podcast Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.